Glory to Jesus Christ. Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their histories, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois, and this is a story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith, courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the Light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by Eastern Christian Publications, where you can find the prayers of the Catholic Byzantine Daily Office at ecpubs.com and by easternchristianmedia.com, a broadband network for you to learn more about the Eastern Catholic Churches. That's easternchristianpublications.com. Glory to Jesus Christ. Welcome to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas, your host. We are really moving through Lent in more ways than one. First of all, there is, of course, the usual observance of Lent, the prayer, the fasting, the increased charity that we've been talking about here on Light of the East, as we do each year at this very rich time. But now there's a whole other dimension of Lent. Because of the coronavirus and the steps that have to be taken around the world, it's as though the entire world has been put on Lent. We're all on a Lenten retreat. Yes, think about it. We're fasting more. We have to because as of the recording of this program, the grocery stores are basically empty of a lot of food, certainly toilet paper. For some reason, there seems to be a rush on toilet paper. But the produce sections, the the, uh, shelves are empty. It's hard to keep them filled. A lot of things like that. The hand sanitizers and so on. So there is less things available, at least at this time which means we have to utilize things less, eat less, and so on. We also are being told to stay at home, not to go out, not to go to bars and to restaurants and so on, places of entertainment. But that's what we should be doing anyway during Lent, not just giving up chocolate. We should be pulling back from all those things. Now we have to. So it leaves an open space for coming together with family, staying at home, time for reflecting, reading the scripture, praying. And actually, what's happening is not only Lent, but we are actually experiencing a monasticism because we're also, in a sense, almost like hermits. I know if you have a family and you're staying at home, yes, you have family there, but basically we're asked to be hermits. We're asked to pull away from the public, from community, from gatherings. So in a sense, we're doing what monks would do. In fact, monks would do this, especially during the Lenten season, and they would come together actually on Palm Sunday. So they would come together in community to celebrate the great and solemn Holy Week, or as we call in Eastern churches, Great Week, 
And then, of course, culminating in the glorious season of our Lord's resurrection, the Pascha. But they would go off into their hermitages, even if they lived in a monastery together, if they lived in community life, they would go off into the hermitages, into the caves and be in solitude, and then come again together on Palm Sunday, as I mentioned. In fact, this is what gives rise to the feast day that we have today, this Sunday of Lent in the Byzantine calendar, and a story that we read last week during the St. Andrew of Crete, the great canon of St. Andrew of Crete. It's the great story of St. Mary of Egypt. There was a priest named Sophronius who was doing this practice of going off to be in solitude in the deserts, in the Holy Lands, and he came across this woman who was actually originally naked, running around. It was like a flash. Like It was like, what did I see? Did I see something go by naked? It was a woman, an older woman, who had been in the desert for many, many years. And she began to tell this priest her story. She became known as a great saint, St. Mary of Egypt. Her basically, her story was that when she was a young girl, she was a prostitute. In fact, she was a, a very, very ardent prostitute. She tells her story about how she could manipulate men, how she just loved to toy with them. And one day she saw pilgrims going to Jerusalem to the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, and she wanted to go with them. She was curious. And the pilgrims entered the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, but as Mary tried to, she could not. Something held her back. A force held her back. She tried and tried again. And she began to feel really bad. She began to weep. And then she saw an icon there near the door of the Virgin Mary. And she looked at that icon, and, and she cried out to it. And as she did, she was then allowed into the great church of the Holy Sepulchre. And she realized at that moment that she was having a conversion. So she ran off into the desert to do penance for the rest of her life for many, many years, strict, strict penance. And when she came upon this priest, Sophronius, and told him her story, she instructed him to go back to the monastery and to come back a year later with Holy Communion. That's the one thing she wanted. And he did. Then she said, well, come back again the next year. And he did. Only this time, she had died. And he went to bury her, and he actually had a hard time doing it because of the hard soil and the desert. But a lion actually came and actually helped him dig the grave. And he told this story back at the monastery. It's a story that we read during the great canon of St. Andrew of Crete, which was last week, we do that canon in sections during the first week of Lent. Then on the fifth week of Lent, we do it in its entirety on Thursday. And during the service itself, right in the midst of that, we take a break, two breaks actually. We read half the story of St. Mary of Egypt and then the second half. And it's just a, a story of incredible high drama, incredible, incredible dialogue and character development. It could be a magnificent movie, often picture that in my head as I hear the story, because it's, it's just great, great drama. And the story is really about monasticism, about a male monk, Sophronius, who finds this female monk. And what did they do? They were in solitude. They were in repentance. They were in fasting. They were in increased prayer. And they grew in holiness. In fact, when Sophronius came to see St. Mary of Egypt the second time, she actually walked across water. She walked on water like Christ did. That's how holy she was. But she never saw herself as holy. She kept referring to herself as this lowly sinner. And she was very, very deferential to Sophronius. But he, in turn, was deferential to her. He was like, I'm not the holy one. You're the holy one, woman. But she was like, no, no, you're the holy one. She had a profound sense of her own 
sinfulness, even though she was actually growing in holiness and experienced and lived this great radical asceticism. And now with this coronavirus, to a certain extent, the whole world is being asked to be a monk, even though that's uh, not upfront and maybe not conscious. But in essence, that's what's happening. We're asked to go to our own caves, our own hermitages. We're asked to pull back from things. All the superfluous gathering and all the nonsense and bars and loud talk and all this stuff. We're asked to pray. We're asked to just stay put, calm down. It's almost as the Lord himself, whether this has come from God or not, I, I don't know. I can't really say. I have my thoughts on it. We all, I'm sure we all do. God often does use, as we see in scripture, he does use plagues and punishments to bring us back to him. Is he doing it with this? Maybe, maybe not. Either way, it's as if God is saying to us, at least in my mind, everybody just be quiet and sit down. I've had enough of your scattered hearts, your scattered thoughts, your nonsense. And let's face it, there is more nonsense in the world today, more rebellion against God, I think, than ever before. Something needed to happen to settle us down. I don't want to see anybody sick. I'm praying hard that nobody is sick. I don't want to be sick. I don't want to see anybody die and suffer from this. I don't want to see that. But it just seems like something had to come along. Something had to come along and put some brakes on where humanity was going. All this division, all this rebellion against God's order of things, from LGBT and to all the other ideologies that are out there that just go against anything the church is saying. And the church is the spokesman for God. The church doesn't make up teachings and morality. The, the church simply points to God's order of creation and says, this is how God designed things. If we follow it and see it, then we'll be happy. The world will be in harmony as much as it can be on this side of eternity because we're still affected by original sin, but it could be much more happy, much more, much more peaceful, much more harmonious if we just recognize and follow God's order. Yes, it takes asceticism. And that's why we need the monastic element in our lives. As St. John Paul II said, monasticism is the reference point for all of the baptized. The reference point. In other words, monasticism, what we're experiencing now seems extraordinary. You're having to not go to bars and gather and congregate and to sort of step back, go into our monastic caves, pray more, focus more on one another and what is important. Think about our own mortality. I hope we're doing that. Prepare for that. These, these things are really what should be the norm See, monasticism is the norm. It's not something extraordinary. It only seems extraordinary because we've lost our point of reference for the norm. We think that horsing around our computers and going to bars and being social all the time and having all kinds of activities and running around and not having time for prayer and scripture reading and family and church, we think that's the norm. And that church and Lent are sort of these extra extraordinary things that we do once in a while. Then we go back to our regular normal running around, chaos, as we say in our prayers, our scattered thoughts, our scattered heart. We're just in so many directions except the right direction. We're so unrooted. Now we have a chance. You see, this is the mystery of the cross as well as our monastic experience. It's where we take what is bad and we turn it into good. We take it as opportunity. Instead of, as we say, cursing the darkness, we light a candle. We can live in total fear and hoard our toilet paper 
and our groceries. Or we can try and turn this into opportunity for holiness, to embrace this now what it seems to be an imposed monasticism, not all of us. We can take that opportunity to really live Lent, to really pray as we must, to think about our mortality and our judgment, as the great saints said. That is the miracle of our life as Christians. That's the miracle of the cross, which we certainly put before us and will do in real earnest as we move towards Great and Holy Week. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion. And to tell the story of the Eastern Lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support. In order to keep Light of the East on the air, you can make a donation now by going to byzantinecatholic.com. That's byzantinecatholic.com. And then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. Glory to Jesus Christ. Father Loya would like you to know that Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church is open for personal prayer during the coronavirus outbreak. Father Loya is available for confession and personal counseling during the week. The Divine Liturgy is live-streamed Sunday mornings at 10 on the Annunciation Parish Facebook page. Please keep in mind that parish expenses continue in your absence and that your donation can be accepted on the donation page at byzantinecatholic.com. That's byzantinecatholic.com. Thank you. You're listening to Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. back to Light of the East. I am Father Thomas Loyo, your host, and I am praying hard for all those who are victims of the virus, the coronavirus. I pray also for those who may become afflicted. Hopefully no one else will. No one else will die from it, but let us pray hard. And when I say pray, you know, it's so easy to say that. Many churches are closed, even already it's planned that they'll be closed through Easter through Holy Week, which is unthinkable, unprecedented. And we're being told, well, just stay at home and pray. Okay, that's good. We should be told that. But what does that mean and how? I mean, seriously, let's be honest. In between the hours spent on the computer and our iPhones, we'll give a few fleeting prayers. I mean, seriously, because that's the difference. That's why the church has designed a divine office, an elaborate divine office, and why people would go to a church to gather in prayer. And the monks would go in solitude, as we said earlier, and they would come together at certain points in the year, the high points of the year, Holy Week, Pascha, the resurrection, because there is something very, very unique, something that happens of a supernatural nature when the baptized Christians come together and raise their voices in unison in worship in the temple of God. There is something unique and powerful that happens. It does not happen any other way. Yes, we can and should pray individually. So the monks did in their monastic cells. They prayed very, very intensely and arduously. Many of them even memorized the whole Psalms, all 150 of them. Some of them even memorized the whole scripture. Can you imagine? Some of them actually memorized the scripture, but certainly the Psalms. They would pray without ceasing and fast. 
and master their fallen passions and grow in holiness and wisdom. People would seek them out, even though they went off into the monasteries in the caves of the earth. And some of them were what they call stylites. They went up on pillars and lived there. They did those things not to escape. They actually did those things to encounter their real selves, to encounter Christ. And yes, they would encounter the devil. They would encounter the devil within them. They would have a clearer picture of their own fallenness and their own need of repentance and growth and grace. So monasticism is nothing like an escape. Rather, it's a rushing into reality, the ultimate challenge. It rushes into our true selves, both our potential to become images and likeness of God for holiness and our fallenness. It's also a rush into Christ, towards God, towards the order of creation, towards our union with that. And in the process, yeah, it's going to be a rush face-to-face with the devil who will tempt us. So these are times of really being called to authenticity. And the prayer of the church calls us to a special kind of, of, of prayer that has a special power to it. As I said, and we're being told, yes, pray at home, don't gather. But please keep in mind that it is in the gathering, especially in the ultimate gathering around the Eucharist, that we become one voice, one bride of the bridegroom Christ. And there is the most powerful force that we have as human beings. No, it's not in vaccines. It's not in hand wipes and hand sanitizers. I'm not putting those things down. Yeah, yeah, we got to have that. Okay. Yeah, we can't wait to get that miracle cure. Hurry up, find that miracle cure for this virus. Yes, I want to see it gone as much as you do. Don't get me wrong on this. The problem is there's a vulnerability here to put all our faith in man-made solutions in hopes of what man alone can do when our real strength is in united prayer. And that's why if churches are still open, I think it's a good thing. As of this radio program, the churches in my eparchy, proud to say, remain open. We do have our Eucharistic Divine Liturgy at all of our churches on Sunday. Anyone's welcome to come. But we have no other activities, no other services publicly during the week at our parishes. This is the balance that my bishop, Bishop Milan Locke of the Eparchy of Parma, has tried to reach. And he did this with a lot of consultation, a lot of discernment a lot of prayer. It's not an easy balance. Again, we're basically in uncharted waters, at least in modern times. Maybe the closest we've come to this is during the wars when cities were being bombed and people had to ration things and hide and their lives are terribly disrupted. That's probably the closest we've come. But my bishop has kept the churches open. They're open. You can come, pray, Individually, there is no services scheduled. There's no public services scheduled. The priests are there, available. I am here. As long as I'm still healthy and available, I'm here. But on Sunday, we do have the Eucharistic liturgy, at least thus far in our parishes. In some areas of the country, many areas actually, all worship services, even Sunday, and even into Holy Week and Easter, as we mentioned before, have been canceled. It does vary from eparchy or diocese to diocese. But the thing that does have to be remembered here, and we look at things historically, such as Pope Gregory, centuries ago, when there was a plague and he 
got everyone together to go in procession with icons and incense and prayer. And what happened was there was a miraculous event that happened. They looked up, this was in Rome, and over what was Hadrian's mausoleum, you know, the burial place of a pagan emperor, there appeared over there the Virgin Mary, angels, and St. Michael, the archangel. And it was said that he was putting his sword back in his sheath, basically giving the message that I have defeated this plague. It was a miraculous cure. And it happened after this kind of public prayer. Yes, there, there was precautions in churches and so like that, but at the same time, there was still public prayer. It's a matter of a balance. Remember this. When we come to church, we gather, and that's the big, that's the big buzzword here. We have to limit any kind of gatherings. In fact, as of this radio program, the bars and restaurants in many states are closed down. There's no public gathering at all. But as we gather in church, it's a very different gathering than in a bar or sporting event. And unfortunately, we're, we're tending to treat it the same. Like if it's dangerous because people will be exposed that they come together in a bar or a sporting event, then it's also dangerous in church. And that I would like to challenge because let's face it, let's be factual. You know, faith is very solid. Faith is very reasonable. When we gather in church, doesn't the place we gather look different, smell different? Doesn't something very, very different go on there? Something of supernatural nature, like the Eucharist, prayer, intercessory prayer, the begging of forgiveness, the prayer that glorifies God? Isn't the purpose and the character, the charism, what's going on there, very different? It is the highest nature And we come together with a totally common, common mission to become literally one body in Christ, one bride of the bridegroom Christ. You don't get that anywhere else. You go to a sports event, yeah, okay, we're there for the game, but we're not all acting the exact same way. You know, there's things that go on individually between us. We're here with different friends, maybe different reasons we come to the game. Some people like to go to the game. They don't pay that much attention to it. They like it as a social affair. They sort of look look at the game kind of in and out of it with their attention. Some of them are riveted at the game. There's all kinds of different things going on, even though everybody's there for presumably a common experience, the game. Same thing at a bar. Everybody's doing whatever they want in a bar. The only thing that's common is, yeah, it's a gathering place where there's alcohol, where people drink. It's okay. But they also have their own personal agendas while they're in this common place but not so in church. It's one absolute unique purpose and mission that we all come together and become one in. And that place and what goes on there is unique to that place and to that moment. And it is marked by a supernatural character, the very real presence of God in the Eucharist and the presence of graces. And as we enter into, especially the Eucharistic liturgy, whether it's the mass, the Latin rite, or in the Eastern churches, their liturgy, in the Eucharist, in worship, we actually do take our place along the angels in heaven in the ongoing heavenly liturgy. Yes, there is something very different that occurs in the church that does not occur anywhere else, not even close. And so I believe that we have to keep this in our minds. And I pray that our leaders will keep that in their minds. 
as they try to make very, very difficult, very, very nuanced discernments as we sail through uncharted waters here. I appreciate the challenge of our leaders in this regard. But my message here on this light of the East is to keep before our eyes, above all, that mystical, supernatural character of things. Don't count that out. Don't just put church on the same level as any kind of gathering. It is very, very different. It's different because the presence of God, which is much greater than any disease, any human effort, that presence is most real where the people gather in the temple and raise their voices in praise and adoration, in petition and repentance to Almighty God. Thank you for listening. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. To hear Light of the East again, visit ByzantineCatholic.com and click on the Features and Programs tab and on iTunes. Thank you for listening to Light of the East. We encourage you to tell a friend about Light of the East and to visit ByzantineCatholic.com. Light of the East is produced by ADC Media. A Lenten Reflection with Monsignor Charles Pope. As Lent progresses, we move closer and closer to Good Friday, where our Lord will suffer so much for us. We ought to meditate frequently during Lent, and frequent looks to the crucifix are a good way to do this, and be so grateful to the Lord for what He's done for us. There's an old hymn, comes from the Protestant tradition, but it's a beautiful meditation. And the refrain just says, Lest I forget Gethsemane, lest I forget thine agony, lest I forget thy love for me. Lord, lead me to Calvary. An old song also says, Jesus, keep me near the cross. Because the cross is not just a place of suffering, but it's a place of love. And we ponder the immense love that we should have for the Lord and we know he has for us and the immense gratitude that we should have for what he has done for us. In Lent, be grateful and meditate on the passion of our Lord. Lenten programs now through Holy Thursday on EWTN Radio and TV. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the light of the East. To learn more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue Light of the East with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount will be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. Or donate online on the homepage of ByzantineCatholic.com. From the Light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God grant you many happy years. Oh!